0: Shelly, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm-hmm. it's not even legally compliant.
1: Mm, this is where our friends at RecText come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans.
0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge and as always joined by Shelly Billinger. Shelly, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you doing?
0: I am you, doing you fantastic.
1: Have, listen, Serge, I am really pleased to have back on the show someone who joined us in early days and someone who's always been a good friend of the show. We'd like to welcome Alex Murphy, who is the co-founder and CEO of JobSync. Alex, welcome back.
2: Thank you for having me. Delighted to be back with you too.
1: Well, it feels like we've never lost touch. Like I join your webinars and I've always enjoyed a great- Oh, by
0: the way, I love your webinars. The quality of guests, just Mm -hmm. the topics that you cover is excellent. So keep on doing it.
1: Yes. Well, we
2: very much will. That actually was one of the few positive things I'll say that came out of COVID for just starting these roundtables. It's been really wonderful to connect with people on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, it really is. So thank you for doing that. It's a great contribution to the community. Alex, for those listeners who may not have heard you or been listening to our back catalog, would you mind just giving like a little Twitter bio and talk a bit about your journey into the talent acquisition tech landscape?
2: Sure. Married, three kids, one in college and one nine-year-old girl and a 16-year-old in between. Busy home life, if you will. I got into TA about 24 years ago or so. I joined up with a company and then was a co-founder of a job board called job.com. And that's gone through a whole lot of iterations. Later on, I joined up with a company out of Pennsylvania called Beyond and ran user acquisition, took on business development. Through that process, had a lot of oversight in product and what happens with the candidate experience and joined up with my co-founder, John Bell, to start JobSync. About four years ago, back in 2019, we actually just crossed our 1,500 days in business last Friday. So that was a pretty fun milestone to celebrate with our team. And at the end of the day, what we recognize is there's a tremendous amount of friction and inefficiency in the recruitment process. It's Really what we're trying to solve is to help recruiting teams spend less time doing manual work and to help the candidate process of that journey become as fluid and easy as possible while still doing all the things that are needed in order to actually make it through the recruitment process in terms of applying to the job and then interacting with the company as they go through that interview and hiring cycle.
1: Well, that sounds like a little piece of heaven. Can you talk a little bit more, what does JobSync actually do?
2: Yeah, so Maybe let's give us a story about what's the big gigantic problem in the ecosystem. The process of applying to a job generally speaking, is horrible. And it's horrible in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. One part of that horrible process is that many candidates that apply don't get back a response. That's awful. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a lot, yeah. ETS black hole. One part of the process that's horrible is there are too many instances where the number of questions and the depth of the questions in the application are way out of whack for the first step in this process. There are companies that put out applications that take 20, 30, 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. which is just ridiculous. And then they don't even actually communicate with the candidate afterwards. The part of the process that we're hyper-focused on is actually even just one step before that, which is candidates start the process of looking for a job, generally speaking, on some type of search platform. It could be Google. It could be Indeed. It could be name your job board anywhere around the world, Seek or Jobstreet or Info jobs in Spain and so on start at this centralized place, just like we all do in all of the activities we do. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a product, you go someplace where you can search for the products that you want to buy. If you're looking for a plane ticket to go from where you are, surgery going on vacation, when you went to buy that plane ticket, you went and you took some search. So that process in most of the things that we do in life is actually fairly fast and friction free to go from search to actually take the action of what you're trying to do, whether it's book of flight, book hotel, and so forth. And it doesn't actually exist very much in the job search space. What that looks like in terms of practical outcomes is somebody goes on Indeed, they run a search, and when they leave Indeed and they go to the ATS to apply, over 95% of those people don't actually apply. 19 out of 20 people drop out which is a staggering statistic from a marketing Crazy. perspective, mm. right? If you've got a really complex ATS or you're one of those lucky few that have the login screen that comes up, that conversion percentage drops from 4% to roughly about 1, 1.5%, which means that you're talking about 99 out of 100 not doing the action that they sought to do. We think there's a much better way We partner up with the job boards that offer an integrated application experience. We call that a native application experience. It's often called an easy apply, quick apply, one-click apply. Basically, what we're working to do is to build an integration platform that sits between the applicant tracking system. So it could be Workday, SuccessFactors, or many other ATSs. We've got dozens of them that we've built these integrations with. To sit between that, that ATS and the job board and make it so that the candidate can apply In full, with all the screening questions, any compliance questions, opting into privacy policies, and so forth, complete the the total application and then deliver that application back into the ATS so that it's easy for the candidate. They can use their existing profile, they can answer the screening questions, and then it's easy for the recruiter because then that candidate shows up in their workflow just as if they had applied through their company website. But this time, instead of having one out of 20. Actually, complete that conversion rate goes up to three, four, five out of 20. So you're talking about two, three, four times more applicants for your recruitment advertising spend. It just changes things for companies in a remarkable way. We just recently had a client go live. They went from a couple thousand applications a day. This company hires roughly 200,000 people a year. They went from a couple thousand a day to more than a 3x increase in their applications from just Indeed Organic. And that has changed their world in a remarkable way. So it's a really fun and fulfilling service to offer. It's really gratifying.
1: I think when we first met, Alex, you were in the first 12 or 18 months of starting up JobSync. Tell me how you guys have grown.
2: Yeah, so we're over 40 people now. We just hired a person to run our UK and Europe sales effort. As great as the product is in the US and in North America, it's actually even more interesting in a GDPR compliance Mm. perspective, just because their world, there's so many instances of people not complying with GDPR properly on the recruitment side of the house. And we can really help them a lot. But we've been expanding across our applicant tracking systems in a big way. We're building strong partnerships with those organizations. And last year, we built up a a process to onboard our job board partners more quickly. So we're starting to add more of them. Job cases recently came online with us. Uh, We're up to right now, I think it's about 25, 26 job boards internationally that we can support. And we see that number growing pretty fast over the course of the rest of the year. It's been really exciting. And in a world where everybody's waiting for the next shoe to drop from like a recession you know, our customers continue to see extreme value in what we're doing because we're helping them do more or less. There's companies that still have to recruit but have to be frugal and and really insightful ways about how they're going to cut costs. They can look at a service like ours and get so much more of a return on their recruitment advertising that it's been something that's shielded us a little bit from some of the
1: general malaise, if you will, that's out in the marketplace. Well, congratulations. That Mm -hmm. is fantastic, Alex.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the application process. I think there's a Goldilocks situation, right? You hear a lot of employers complaining that they're getting too many unqualified candidates. And generally, that is coming from an environment where there is an easy, quick apply, indeed being probably the biggest examples. Then there's a situation with most employers that are being directed to the ATS that are using, say, SuccessFactors, Taleo, any of the old school ATS, that the application process is taking around 20 to 30 minutes. How do you get in between? Because we're seeing candidates creating Google extensions and applying to 120 jobs within minutes. The talent acquisition department's thinking we're getting too many bad quality applicants or we're just not getting any at all. Where's the middle ground here? How can we get a spot that are getting enough applicants, but they're also decent quality?
2: Yep. So it's interesting, right? They, when I put on my job board operator hat, I'd like to think that. I should just be able to hit the easy button and send a candidate in. And that's completely ignoring the experience on the other side of the recruiter that you're talking about, right? The reality is screening questions and knockout questions exist for a reason. And it's so that you can start to segment down and go, okay, are you going to be a viable candidate for us to consider? The difference between an easy apply, one-click apply type of scenario where it's like name, email, phone, and a CV versus the same profile data, plus the answers to my seven screening questions that took one and a half minutes to complete. It's orders of magnitude difference for the recruiting teams, Mm. because you can start to say, do you have certifications? Like in truck driving world, as an example, are you CDL licensed or not? It's a very binary question that for many trucking companies is actually a critical question to know about whether or not to proceed with this particular role. They have entry-level programs and then they have non-entry-level programs. Do you have a, an active nursing certificate in the state of Florida or not, right? It's not a difficult question. That's not a 45-minute question, but it's extraordinarily imperative if you're hiring people that have this certification or this licensure, right? Those types of screening questions really make all the difference in terms of speed, in terms of feedback, in terms of automating some of the steps along the way. So that Goldilocks zone is... Go meet the candidate where they are, meaning have them apply, whether it's on Indeed or ZipRecruiter or JobCase or Talroo or Talent.com or whatever. Don't make them come to you. You go to them. That's just always the way that it works in marketing. You want to engage and meet the customer or the lead or, the, in this case, the candidate where they are. Yeah. And that's essentially what we see as this Goldilocks zone is you need these screening questions that you're defining in the applicant tracking system. They're there for a reason. As I mentioned earlier, there are cases where it's too much, for sure. There, there are still cases where people ask for a social security number and the government ID in the application process. And it's no, that's not an appropriate thing to ask at this stage. And I liken it to like dating, right? There are questions that you ask somebody on the ninth date or when you're like engaged. And those questions are not appropriate when you meet them the first time, <laughs> right? Shelly, so
1: like, that's, been that th- th- that's been your problem.
0: That's <laughs> been your problem, Shelly. I
1: know. I'm doing a full-blown interview then.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So Alex, I want to take advantage of your knowledge and experience of the job board world. Surprising to some, not surprising to many. Indy laid off 15% of its workforce, around 2,200 people. What's your take on the overall health of the job board industry right now?
2: I mean, I think it's the outcome of a rapid, rapid expansion that happened through COVID in a lot of different ways. We're seeing the step back, not just in job board world, but across tech as a whole, where lots of companies overhired. They did that because they thought that maybe COVID would last forever or that this was a new normal and didn't really think of it as a temporary thing. You know, Indeed has been such an employee-friendly, employee-centric business. They've got the Indeed days that they offer. They've had great programs. When COVID began and many others in the space were doing layoffs, they did not. They have really tried their hardest to avoid this, I think. And I'll tell you, if you haven't read Chris's Chris Times, the CEO at Indeed, his letter to the employees... Man, he's probably not going to get enough praise for it because it's not negative and it's just really nice and it's really great. I described it last night as a masterclass on how to communicate about a layoff to your team. It's the best letter I've seen written to employees dealing with a layoff. Absolutely the number one best one. Please read it if you haven't. What does it mean for the job board business as a whole? I think in that letter, he talks about the fact that for Indeed in the last quarter, I believe he meant Q4, they saw a 33% reduction in sponsored job listings compared to the prior year. That's consistent with what we see and hear across the board. Whether it's large fulfillment shops that are pulling back or focusing on rehiring or just retrenching in terms of what their needs are, or it's technology companies, there's definitely a reduction. And that has impact on the job board business. I will say for Indeed, they've made a lot of changes in the last two years too. So is it just based on the broader market? I would say the jury's out on that is probably my nicest way to put it. They made a lot of changes in terms of what the candidate experience will be like, as well as how they engage and transact with their customers. I think that has to have had a pretty material impact as well along the way.
1: Alex. I just want to get your take on something. Certainly no surprise in terms of reduction in sponsor jobs. Saw it coming through even in Q4. Is this any type of business reaction to Indeed's decision to just force pay transparency across the board? Certainly clients that I talked to had a sense of, well, you could have consulted with me. Do you think this is any sort of blowback for making such a, broad and sweeping decision?
2: I have two different parts of this, two different answers. We had a guest on a roundtable a couple months ago who specifically called out the fact if they have not reconciled explaining this advertised rate of pay for a role, Mm -hmm. then they're not advertising that role because Mm -hmm. they have to deal with the people internally first. So I think that there is undoubtedly some element of that page transparency piece flowing through to fewer jobs being posted publicly and advertised online. But that's not Indeed's thing. That's actually the laws that are causing that. In his case, they were not passing through what the pay amount was. Indeed was putting up saying the estimated salary for this role is between X and Y. And so Indeed said, you either tell us or we tell the candidate what they should expect in the marketplace, which I don't think is wrong of Indeed at all to create a forcing function to say... You have a choice. You can either say what your rate is, or we can tell the candidate, this is what the market is bearing Mm -hmm, for this type mm -hmm. of position. But I do think salary transparency laws are having an impact on job volume for sure. I'll say much larger percentage of the population is now covered by these laws than was in, say, October, right? So progressively from November, January, and I think even last month, new laws are going into effect that have expanded from cities to states. California, right, coming online, that mm-hmm. has a you know massive impact in the marketplace. So I think those things do bear an impact. To the point about they should have consulted us, there are a number of changes that have been made from what's coming up in May around minimum amount of money that you have to spend per job and how campaigns work mm-hmm. to how programmatic works and the removal of CPC and the, the removal of, call it levers, to pull to get better performance on some jobs and not as much on others. I think a lot of people certainly have expressed the perspective of, you're not listening to our feedback. And I don't have the tools to actually impact performance. And my costs go up, then I'm going to vote with my checkbook. Yeah, That may be what's happening. Again, I think it's too early to tell exactly, but That's all occurring at the same time that there's actually a reduction in in need to promote an advertised job. So I'm sure it's a compounding effect Mm -hmm. on top of everything else.
0: I give indeed a lot of credit. They're the only one in the industry that really can force the issue that's big enough. But to your point, as far as the major changes they've done, as far as cost per application start, there's a lot of confusion in the market. Then suddenly... Google for jobs or Google job ads, as they call it, it leaks out that they're being alpha tested right now. We've seen the decks, we've seen the information. Is indeed reacting to what they thought Google was going to be doing, hence the move to cost per application start. Second part of that question is how big an impact will Google job ads have in the market, do you think?
2: So I I don't think indeed is actually reacting to Google if anything I think indeed and all of us have looked at Google and said boy are you slow and they really are there's been lots of conversation about when will they start having this recruitment advertising program and the answer is they have like for a long time they've been selling recruitment advertising through Google AdWords true from you know 15 years 18 years they generate hundreds of millions of dollars from companies that are recruiting people. They have an established existing business in this category. Google for jobs is a better search experience than just the plain single text box search on Google, right? It's a way to drill in and get to more. Will it have an impact on the space? Most of the companies that I've spoken with tend to have a little bit of a separated budget for job board spend versus search. Okay. And so I wonder if this makes it so that Google and search based spend gets melded with that job board category. Is it going to be better or is it going to be on par? I don't think that they're going to be magically able to solve problems. If you go into Google for jobs today, you end up observing some stuff that's pretty terrible, to be blunt. There are a lot of, I'd say, less than admirable job boards that show up in Google for jobs that are just basically lead gen shops where you can't ever actually get to the employer to actually apply to a job. And then now they're just going to sell more of that. I don't know. Maybe.
0: Why do and they then, allow that? That's the biggest issue. I, I can't have figure for it for either. Jobs. Why is God. it allowed? Somebody explain it.
2: I don't think that they allow it. I don't think that they wake up in the morning and go, gosh, it's going to be a great day. We're just going to really screw the people searching for jobs on our website. Like they're trying. They, they put out this thing quite a while ago about direct apply yeah. and favoring <laughs> companies that have this direct apply experience. If you have that native apply, integrated apply experience on a job board or on your ATS, you don't require things like a login, they allow you to tag that. It doesn't appear that they've really elevated those jobs up. Why do they allow it? They probably have 50 different priorities and they haven't gotten that up to the top. They came into the market really hyper-focused on a couple different things that they've tried to solve for and it took six years or whatever it's been to get to sponsor. I'm sure they have a lot of competing priorities. And filtering out all of that junk, that's actually hard to do because you've got all these companies trying to game them to do the lead gen. Mm -hmm. And so it's like whack-a-mole, right? You solve a problem today and they prop up in a new way tomorrow.
0: I get that, Alex, but Indeed has been able to do a really good job in eliminating those parts of the business, right? Obviously, their model is different, but you would think with Google's technology that 80% of the jobs you're going on have job boards that are really not getting you to the employer. They have to figure out a way how to fix this or no one will take them seriously in this space.
1: Well, we don't take them seriously. had this conversation so many times that their core competency is not job search and they keep proving it over and over. So I agree with you, Alex. I think, could they figure this out? Well, I remember all the drum roll about how Google's going to clean up their backyard so that they're going to somehow, as you put it, favor those jobs that are direct to employer. Well, all I've seen is scams, honestly. And that is the biggest problem that I hear from job seekers. They think that it's all a scam. Seriously, it only has to happen to you once, right? You're never going to do it again. So if anything, it's candidate repellent. When they see jobs advertised on Google, they won't apply to them because they believe they're all phishing scams. So if anything, they just continue to reinforce those job boards that have got guardrails in place for the job seeker.
2: Yeah, melding those two points. Those guardrails that Indeed has, they didn't have at one point, right? And because they're focused on job search and being a great job search engine, they recognize that. The most important constituent to serve is the candidate because candidates talk to other candidates and they say, you go on Indeed, you're actually going to get like a real job. You're not going to get served off to something that's a scam as you're putting it. Indeed once worked only with job boards and then they just yeah. stopped working with job boards. And in full transparency, I used to buy a lot of advertising from Indeed, directing it back to our job board and we want them to register, right? And that's part of the process of acquiring users as a job board. Regardless of where you sit in a stack of good server or or not good server into this space, if you will, that function exists all over the place. I think it'll be interesting to see how they roll out from alpha to beta to generally available advertising. And if they make the determination to switch, it's hard to imagine that they're going to want to go sell directly to the employers and support that. They shut down Google Hire because they could not get enough traction, even though they had 2,500 customers. They still shut it down. And it has to be a huge win for Google to really kind of keep on going with it. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm sure now that they're moved in this direction, they're not going to go in just with their toe. One thing about Google that strikes me as being just an eyebrow raising thing is they start a lot of things, they get people pretty entrenched, and then they just cut it off, right? It's impressive to say, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. It's not successful enough. It's another thing to get somebody to completely replatform over into Google's world and then cut it off. I'm curious to see what will this look like in 12 months and 24 months yeah. and so forth.
1: Thank you, Alex. Tell me, you got your ear to the ground. What about your customers? Like what are TA leaders worried about and where are they seeing opportunities in this market?
2: On the worry side, they're getting squeezed because everybody's anticipating. It doesn't take a lot to, to start to swell up with fear about what's coming in the marketplace. Layoffs, to the degree that they're happening in the normal everyday company, not just the tech company, the first group that gets addressed is the recruiting team. Yeah. So they've got limited budgets, they're shrinking budgets, but yet they still have to hire. It's a fundamental change in what's happened in the economy in the last 50 years, right? Last time, inflation was a really big deal. Deal in the 70s and 80s, they could jack up the interest rates, lots of layoffs, and the asset value, the intrinsic asset value of the business didn't change that much because the value of a business was derived by the stuff they had their plants, their process, their inventories. Today, the value of businesses is almost entirely determined by the people. So when you lay off people, you aren't actually helping your business. You're hurting your business. It's like somebody who has like 2% body fat losing 10 pounds. You lost muscle. You didn't lose fat. And companies are really actually quite lean. And in many cases, they derive all the revenue based on activity that people do. If you don't have servers in your restaurant, if you don't have people that are ready to take the orders, if you don't have the people that are billable, you just lose revenue. So, our clients across the board, They're having to figure out how to do more with less in the recruiting team because that's what the company can cut. And the company as a whole, they have to show a cost-conscious thing so they go after the 2% of facts that they can find, even though it's very difficult, which then means that the recruiting team has to go hire the same number of people because the dirty reality about recruiting is that it's almost entirely for replacement. Mm -hmm. It's well over 90% of recruitment is replacing people that are leaving that activity doesn't stop. Even if you are staying still in terms of your total number of employees, you're still turning over a number of people, especially in the labor market that's so tight. Every country in the Western world is faced the same issues around reduction of workforce, whether it's because of immigration policies. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. A lot of people died from COVID. That reduced the workforce. A lot of people are still suffering from long COVID symptoms. There there are a number of reasons. Retirement was delayed a lot. And after the 2008... a financial crisis that then caught back up in the last three years. All of these things create this perfect storm around labor. And what they worry about to get to a finer point is how do I achieve my recruiting goals given the constraints and lack of resources that I have internally? And then they start worrying about all the other metrics like cost per hire and all these other things. But it's like their core function of their job every day is to get people on the payroll that are producing and productive. And are they able to achieve and do that given the constraints that exist?
0: I had never heard that insight of 90% of recruiting within a company is replacing roles. That is actually a fascinating number. The last three years, if we look at the labor economy, it's been probably the most dynamic labor economy we've ever seen, or at least in my generation that I've ever seen. We're only in March right now. What's going to happen like in the next nine months? I feel like there's something dramatic that will happen. So give me your best guess, prediction of a big disruption that's going to happen in our space in 2023. A
2: big disruption in the space? I feel like it's actually going to start to smooth. If we look at the world right now, massive uptick in interest rates then precipitated into the banking crisis. The thing that's caught most of us that weren't Directly looking at it by surprise, is these banks are collapsing. But the impact, you know, and and I think Chris again in that letter talks about there's going to be a further decline, right? I think the big slope has been in the last six months. I don't think that there's massive disruption. Really, what we'll start to see is interesting stuff happen two years from now, three years from now, because the common refrain is that in these downtimes is when all of the new stuff that gets built emerges, right? These 2,200 people that are leaving Indeed, how many of them are going to go start a company because they've got a really interesting concept and an idea from all of their experiences. Most of those ideas will fail as is what happens with startups. But I think that you're going to see some really interesting stuff come out of that because you've got people that are junior, but you've got a lot of mid and senior people that have been there for quite a while that are also departing. And it's not just that Indeed. A number of companies in the space have announced layoffs. I think that the normalization of what's happening, most of the impact has been felt. The gauge I have is like, what is the level of negativity that happens in the media? And then how does that balance against what the stock market does? Not because we need to peg ourselves to the stock market, but if the stock market can survive like these black swan events and stay flat... That's like a tremendous amount of optimism in the marketplace for the longer term. Maybe that's what's going to happen that's different this time is we've had three years of shit and we're tired of it. There's a point where we start to climb out of it. And what I feel like I'm observing is that people in general are becoming more resilient to bad news. And when we get resilient to bad news, that's when we can start to accelerate and run away and start doing things that are really interesting. That's more aligned with what I think is coming in the next couple of years.
0: Alex has wow. always amazing insights, both on the job board industry, but the overall recruitment industry. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? I'm
2: pretty active on LinkedIn. You can always come there. You can reach out to us on Jobstink as well as jobstink.com. And I'd love to connect with anybody and everybody. And we host a roundtable, like we mentioned earlier, every month. So come to Jobsync.com and write a serve for the next one. We're going to have William Tinkup on talking about his perspective about the marketplace. And we try to get senior TA leaders more often to come in and talk about what issues they're facing. Last month, or I guess a couple of weeks ago, we had a couple of, of TA leaders talking about selling to the C-suite, how to position and thrive business objectives through the TA team and how to win, so to speak.
0: I agree. Tons of value. For anyone listening, please do check Absolutely. it out. I've been to several and have always left feeling that I know more than before I started. Alex, fantastic episode. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you,
1: Thanks Alex. For having me. Thanks.
0: Ciao.
2: The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said,